When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Murder in the North, Episode 10, The Book Thief. When a 30-year-old student from Malmo is arrested on suspicion of stealing a large number of books... His packed fridge is found to hide a much grislier secret. This is a case that sent shockwaves across Sweden, terrifying everyone who read about it in the newspapers. It all begins with the disappearance of a young woman in November 1979. She's the mother of a young son, and her parents are so worried that they repeatedly beg Malmo police for help. The woman seems to have disappeared off the face of the earth, yet the police don't seem to do anything. You're listening to Murder in the North, a podcast about some of the most shocking murder cases in Scandinavia. Our account of these cases is based on sources in the public domain, including interviews, press releases, and court proceedings. Some narrative details were seen as irrelevant to the plot and therefore left out. This podcast series contains scenes of violence that some listeners may find distressing. You're listening to a true story, as researched by Jana Argard and told by me, Jenna Sharp. On a cold January morning in 1980, police in Malmo receive a tip-off. Someone has stolen a large number of books from the public library. The caller also gives the name of the suspected thief, Oscar, a 30-year-old student of language and culture at Lund University. The book thief has been turned in by none other than his own mother, after taking books from her home too, as well as a stone axe. She's fed up with the stealing and contacts the police. The police decide to take a look. They arrive at his apartment at 20B Cornetgarten in the centre of Malmo with a search warrant. They find a huge number of bags and boxes full of books in Oscar's flat including 300 stolen ones. It's mostly specialist literature, ranging from a philosophical treatise on Plato to a colourful encyclopaedia on the world of birds. Oscar admits to having stolen the books. Since it's quite a substantial haul, he's detained on the spot. As the police do a thorough search of Oscar's home, they come across some packets of meat in the fridge and freezer. The meat smells slightly rancid and sour, plus it's wrapped in a sheet. That's all a bit strange, they think. They collect a few samples, 
so the meat can be examined more closely. The book theft is not enough to keep Oscar in custody, so he's soon released again, on the condition that he stops stealing. The samples are sent to a lab. Meanwhile, another police unit in Malmo is looking into the case of the missing Katerina. The 29-year-old woman was born and raised in Malmo and disappeared a few months earlier. Her parents are incredibly worried. Katerina has been diagnosed with schizophrenia and it's crucial that she takes her medication regularly. She's last seen in November 1979 when she stops by her parents for dinner. When they're unable to reach her for three days, her parents call the police. Katerina is young and vivacious and always eager to learn new things. However, she experienced mental health problems while growing up and has been in and out of psychiatric hospitals for treatment. Still, she's able to meet the challenges and finish school at the same time as her peer group. But after her final exams, Katerina struggles to keep her illness under control and she's signed off work. She's a gentle person. She's interested in Eastern philosophies and Hinduism and even dresses in Indian clothing. Shortly after graduation, she meets a man who shares her enthusiasm for Eastern philosophy. They decide to travel to India together, but she's forced to cut her journey short when she experiences more mental health issues on the way there. In 1976, Katerina becomes pregnant. She gives birth to a son who lives with his father because of her illness. On a fine and sunny afternoon in the summer of 1979, Katerina makes her way from her home in Varnum Storgut in Malmo to a cafe. She's carrying a book about Eastern philosophy with her. When a tall, slender man sits down at the table next to her. She asks him to keep an eye on her things while she goes in to order a coffee. She sees the exact same man the following week when she goes to the cafe with her mother. The man doesn't seem all that keen, but Katerina strikes up a conversation anyway. He has grey eyes and blonde hair, and she likes the look of him. Her interest is reciprocated, and in the weeks that follow, the two get to know each other better and start a relationship. The man is 30-year-old student Oscar. When Katerina suddenly stops communicating on the 7th of November, her parents only wait a few days before they raise the alarm. They're usually in daily contact with their daughter. Katerina's father persuades the landlord to let him into his daughter's apartment. The place is a bit messy, but there doesn't seem to be any indications of violence or of some other disturbance. Katerina's parents keep calling the police. They have another look round the flat to see if any of her clothes or her passport are missing. It's still untidy, but nothing looks suspicious. 
When they visit a third time, the lock has been replaced. They call a locksmith, who helps them gain access to the property. Inside, a strange spectacle awaits. The whole apartment has been tidied up and cleaned. All her belongings are in boxes. In January 1980, the police resume their investigation into the missing 29-year-old. Katerina's father visits her home for the fourth time, and on this occasion, he's accompanied by several officers. From outside, they can see that there's a light on in the apartment, but when they ring the doorbell, it's quickly switched off. Eventually, the door is opened. Standing in the living room is a young man, but he refuses to give his name. Katerina's father notes that the TV is gone and some books are missing too. The man is taken to the station for questioning. When the police officers search him, they find some very interesting items on him. He's carrying copies of Katerina's benefits statements, the key to her apartment, as well as her passport. The man claims that Katerina is at his home and that he promised her to quickly water the plants in her flat. And so it becomes apparent that the same man, Oscar, appears to be implicated in two separate police inquiries. The theft at the library and now the case of the missing woman, Katerina. Two separate investigations are underway now in two separate police departments. The Criminal Investigations Department is looking into a crime against property, while the major investigation team is investigating a missing person case. You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. While Oscar is detained... The linkages between the two cases start to come to light. The meat packages from Oscar's fridge are dispatched to the Swedish Laboratory of Forensic Science, where they are to be analysed as a matter of urgency. Oscar is arrested on suspicion of murder before the results come back. And when they do, they confirm the police's grim suspicions. The packages contain human Organs. 
forensic investigators descend on Oscar's apartment to gather more evidence. At first glance, Oscar's home just looks chaotic. The place is full of cardboard boxes that are filled to the brim. However, the content of these boxes is extremely organized. Everything has been catalogued. He has drawn up an inventory of Katerina's possessions, for example, as well as a grisly list of her body parts. Hidden in the bottom drawer of a wardrobe, the police find handcuffs and tools with microscopically small traces of blood and tissue, and a plastic bag with female hair. This is now officially a murder case, which means that Oscar's questioning takes another turn. Oscar confesses to killing Katerina, but it was an accident, he claims, a moment of temporary insanity. He goes on to explain what happened. Katerina drops by at Oscar's home unannounced. She's brought a bottle of wine and she's in a great mood. Katerina wants the two of them to spend time together but Oscar is busy making lists and would rather be alone. He puts the brand new handcuffs on her and leads her to the bathtub. She thinks it's some kind of foreplay, but then he drowns her. Oscar realizes that he can't possibly drag Katerina's body down from the fourth floor without anyone noticing so he takes out some tools and starts dissecting the corpse. So as not to get any blood on his clothes, he takes everything off until he's completely naked. In the interrogation room, he also gives a detailed description of cutting the body up and then weighing some of the pieces, wrapping them and putting them in the freezer. He carefully documents the weight of Katerina's remains before making the mile-and-a-half journey from his home in the city centre to Angbatsbrunn Quay. When he gets to the harbour, he waits for the right moment to toss the body parts into the water without being seen. Malmo police deploy divers to search for the body parts, and sure enough... They're found at the bottom of the harbour, just as Oscar described. When he's back home, Oscar comes up with the idea of having a taste of the human flesh. Out of pure curiosity, he says. He cuts the flesh into pieces, pan fries it, and eats it with potatoes, rice or noodles. He prepares a total of ten meals and tells the police that the meat tasted fine, just a bit tough. In the hope of tenderizing the meat, he also boils some, but that's not a great success. He keeps the rest of the body parts in the fridge and freezer, which is precisely where the police find them two months later. In total... Police found just under 40 pounds, partly eaten and partly stored. 
Oscar says that Katerina wasn't exactly his dream woman. He prefers blondes. To be honest, he never really liked her. The police asked the Centre for Forensic Psychiatry for an assessment of Oscar's mental state. It seems scarcely believable that he's not suffering from some kind of mental illness, given that he cut up his victim and consumed some of her flesh. But that in itself isn't enough for an actual diagnosis. The report reveals that, like his victim, Oscar suffers from schizophrenia. Oscar has never had any psychiatric intervention. His parents describe him as a bit of a loner, but mostly a kind and quiet young man, someone who's never shown signs of aggressive behaviour. He's intelligent and has been a student for many years, first in Gothenburg and now in Lund. However, when the police delve into his past, they discover that he was expelled from university on suspicion of sending threatening letters. He hasn't had many girlfriends. Socialising with girls has always been a challenge for him. When he lived in shared student accommodation in Malmo for a while, he once tried, rather awkwardly, to make a move on his younger female housemates. One night, he even entered the room of one of them. He sat down on the edge of her bed, watched the student while she was sleeping, and took photos of her on his camera. It became a funny anecdote in the house no more. Most people thought he was harmless, just a bit weird, someone who struggled with social interaction. It takes prosecutors only four months to gather all the necessary evidence. In June, a year after Oscar and Katerina first met, Oscar's trial gets underway. He's accused of murder, desecration of a corpse, and book theft. To be convicted and handed a custodial sentence, a suspect must be deemed of sound mind and understand that his or her actions are wrong. During the trial, Oscar is detained in a secure psychiatric hospital. Given his confession and the abundance of forensic evidence from Katerina's home and Oscar's own fridge, there's little his lawyer can achieve. 30-year-old Oscar is sentenced to detention in the secure psychiatric hospital for an indefinite period of time. He will only be considered for release when his doctors judge him to be stable and no longer a danger to himself or others. And Oscar is released. After 24 years in treatment, Oscar regains his freedom in February 2004 and moves into his own home. He's now 54 and living under a different name. He's on medication and still receives outpatient psychiatric care. When Swedish newspaper Sidsvenskan tracks him down and interviews him, Oscar says he's doing well. I'm trying to forget what happened, he says. Shortly after the interview is published, the Sidsvenskan journalist receives an alarming anonymous letter. 
The contents of the letter references a university professor and a former PhD candidate, two people with connections to Oscar's student days. The letter contains drawings of axes and knives and sentences in Latin, one of which translates as, If you venture inside the lion's den, you will be eaten. The professor recognizes the lines and the references. He draws on them in his lectures. He also notes that the sender clearly has a good grasp of Latin and a comprehensive knowledge of literature. Police in Malmo suspect that Oscar is behind the anonymous correspondence. They investigate, but are unable to prove that he's guilty of sending the threatening letter. The perpetrator wore gloves and didn't lick the stamp. In other words, there's no forensic evidence. Nonetheless, Oscar is readmitted to a psychiatric hospital until finally in 2014, he's declared sane and released. The following year, he dies of natural causes at the age of 66. Nobody knows where he's buried. From Podimo, this is Murder in the North. A new episode every week, wherever you get podcasts. And for early access to episodes and to listen ad-free, subscribe to Podimo UK on Apple Podcasts.